Today's episode of Mile High Magic is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Broncos tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. I can tell this organization is committed to winning. The Broncos, they do have incredible fans that love this team, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Another takeaway for this Denver defense, and 58 is right in the middle of all of it. Wow! Touchdown, Denver! Unbelievable! Oh my goodness, what a play! Well, it may have taken five weeks, but the Broncos finally got a victory. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside Mile High Magic. Alongside Nikki Javala, I am Michael Spencer, here to celebrate a 1-4 and four start for the Denver Broncos. Yay! <laughs> All right, let's talk about this offense. Uh, I thought, Nikki, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the game and I'm like, whoa, who are these guys? Right. They come out, they drive 75 yards on their first drive. Then Cortland Sutton goes 70 yards basically on his own to put the Broncos up 14 to nothing. Uh, That to me was huge and kind of what we've been waiting for from this offense. Yeah, everything was clicking from the outset. Um, You know, scoring a touchdown on their first offensive possession, I mean, that hasn't happened since the blowout at Arizona last year. Um, then to have back-to-back touchdowns, you got the passing game going, you got the O-line protecting, you got Philip Lindsay doing Philip Lindsay things. Everything is clicking. And in turn, it, it sets up the defense to be in a good position. You can see what this team is capable of doing when they have a sizable lead. They're not going to always have that, but when they do have a lead, it's clear they're capable of playing like a fine football team. Um, you just need those to last, you know, and that's always been their problem. But that offense, I think it really showed, you know, what they can do and kind of what Scangarello's vision for the offense looks like. That's the big question, right? It's like, okay, you did it one game, you know, one out of five basically is, is what you've done it. Now can you continue to do that and continue to have this type of offensive performance moving forward, especially to start early. Look, if they can, then I think they can maybe change this, turn the season around. And and we kept hearing through the first four games in that 0-4 start, hey, look, we're close. We feel like we're really close. Finally, it kind of all came together Sunday afternoon in, in L.A. against the Chargers. So if you're a Bronco fan, I think there's reason for hope here, right? Like there's reason to think, to be optimistic about this. You got to remember new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new head coach, new basically everything from the last couple of years. So there, that gave me at least a glimmer of hope for this team moving forward. 191 rushing yards, third most in the last four years. Now, can they continue to do it? So many times we have seen this in like little spurts, right? We've seen it for maybe a game and then they come out the next game and it's three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Can they keep this going moving forward? That to me is going to be really the telltale sign of how how this football team goes out the rest of the season. Can they do it for a full game first? I mean, the second half collapse, it started to mirror 
what they did against Jacksonville, where they had a lead and it completely fell apart. Thankfully, they had a cushion that was, you know, deep enough where they could afford some mistakes, and the Chargers were playing pretty awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that helped, and the defense held up. Um, The defense was great in my mind. Um, You know, they entered that game ranked uh, fifth against the pass, which I think got kind of overlooked as, you know – the uh, talk of going 0-4 and, and all the mistakes and how they got in their own way. And, yeah, 0-4 is 0-4 anyway you cut it. But the defense was playing pretty well, just not great against the run. Um, but to allow only 35 yards on the ground, that's only the second time in the last four years that they've held a team to fewer than 40 yards. It's, it's crazy. And I, I think, you know, when you look at it, there were three changes that really made the difference on the defensive side anyway. And I think, you know, the, the way the defense fueled the offense and vice versa, I mean, it, it was evident throughout. Um, but the three things in my mind were the personnel changes that Vic Fangio made, changes that I don't think the previous coaching staff would have done. They didn't do. Um, and they were major. I mean, he, he, Vic Fangio decided to bench a starter on the defensive line, a starter who's in a contract year, no less, um, decided to bench a fill-in starter at inside linebacker, and moved Kareem Jackson to safety where he spent most of the offseason working. You know, that was the intent all along when they signed him was to put him at safety. Um, he had previously been playing the nickel corner to compensate for injury, namely Bryce Callahan's injury. Um, but they moved him back to safety. So they, they put Mike Purcell uh, at nose tackle. They made Adam Gotsis inactive. Then they put Alexander Johnson at inside linebacker instead of uh, Corey Nelson. Um, and, and those two collectively added about 70 pounds to the front seven, which really helped to shore up the run defense. Um, and it was just kind of crazy how those three kind of tied it all together. I mean, Vic Fangio knows he's not going to get all the pieces he wants mm-hmm. this year to create the defense he envisions long term. You have to work with what you got, and that he did that. Um, and it, it was kind of crazy to me the difference it made. I mean, there were also I mean, there are other factors. Obviously, the offense jumping out to such an early lead, a big lead, um, played a significant part, but. To have that interior pressure up front, to have more size, to get the takeaways, to have Kareem Jackson playing out of his mind and, you know, hitting guys so hard that he knocks the ball out of their hands. Um, It just worked. What was great about all three of those moves was they all worked, right? Like, it's basically, I mean, he... To a lesser extent, he pushed all of his chips into the table and and he won big, right? I mean, there, those were gambles there. You didn't know what you were going to get from Alexander Johnson. And now everybody's looking at it like, well, where the heck was this guy yeah. the first four games? Right. Well, they didn't see some things that they that he they liked out like of No, no, yeah. he didn't. And he didn't look like that in practice, apparently. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why they went with Corey Nelson. And then the Kareem Jackson move to safety. The move that stands out to me and the, the biggest eye-opening move was making Adam Gatsis in active because I think what that did was it told the rest of the team hey look if you're not pulling your weight then we have no problem making you inactive he didn't just bench him he made him inactive for the game 
you mentioned as a contract here, that to me was the biggest move of an eye opener. Mm -hmm. And I think it resonated inside that locker room like, oh, crap, we better start playing, you know. And and the Broncos played like a desperate team on Sunday. They played like an 0-4 team looking to avoid the worst start in franchise history. And so all of Vic Fangio's moves paid off. And I thought it was a huge, huge message to the locker room that we don't care. We don't care what your status is. We don't care where you were drafted. If we're not getting the type of production that we feel like we should be getting out of you, we have no problem leaving you inactive on game day. And it paid off in a big way. Which led a lot of us to the question of, okay, what what now? Yeah, that's a big question. Is Gatsis, is this it for him? Vic said it's going to be dependent on the game plan, the opponent. So it may not be Gatsis who's down. Um, they dress five defensive linemen for the game day roster. Um, so to put Purcell in there, you got, you got to take somebody out. Um, it might be Gatsis one week. It could be Shelby Harris, Derek Wolf, maybe Demarcus Walker, anybody. Yeah. But given the combination that worked with those three, you know, it, it might be Gatsis for the foreseeable future. And then, you know, what happens when Josie Jewell is healthy? Mm-hmm. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury, which is why um, they've been rotating guys in alongside Todd Davis. Does Do you bring Josie Jewell back when Alexander Johnson, um, according to Vic, showed enough to remain in with the starters? I mean, Josie Jewell is a highly touted draft pick. He was the primary reason they got rid of Brandon Marshall or declined to pick up his option. So then what? And then, you know, at cornerback, they they lost another key player. I mean, this Bryce Callahan injury just has had a massive ripple effect. Um, But Devontae Bosby won that job. He beat out Isaac Yadam, essentially, to be the fill-in starter for Bryce Callahan. Devontae Bosby goes down with a scary neck injury. He's... um, said to be a cervical sprain, so he, he could be out for a week, two weeks, maybe the rest of the season. Um, not sure at this point. They tried yeah, them again yeah. in there, and that was another disaster. Um, so then they tried in Devontae Harrison. Now they're, they're at the bottom of the depth chart now, so they don't have too many other options. They got Duke Dawson playing the nickel corner. So, you know, I would expect them to give Devontae Harris more reps in practice, see how he can do maybe take a look at guys for depth, but they don't, they're scraping the barrel. That's the spot that is really concerning moving forward because of the Bosby injury. You were concerned about that spot before Bosby got hurt and now he's hurt. So you're even more concerned about that. The fact that Isaac Yadam went in and still hasn't made any progress, that's very, very concerning. And if I'm an offensive coordinator and I'm looking at this Broncos roster, I'm like, okay, we're not going to throw at Chris Harris Jr. We're going to go at whoever is on the the other side. Yeah, Whoever was out there, whether it was Yadam or Devontae Harris, that's who they went to. And that is going to be a theme for the next, I mean, for the really for the rest of the season yeah. uh, until they get these guys back healthy because you were going to target Devontae Bosby anyway. And now that he's out, you're definitely going to go after anybody that comes in to replace him. So they've got some real, real issues there. But I think that goes back to Kareem Jackson playing safety. Right. He looked so good on Sunday. Well, now you fear that, oh, gosh, I hope they don't move him back to corner to compensate for this injury because that would wreak havoc. Yeah. And, and so I think the onus is on him to help cover up some of those issues at corner. Um, and I think that's a lot to ask and maybe even too much to ask. But if I'm the Broncos, 
gosh, I'm so hesitant to move him back to corner because I love what he did at safety. He brought a different attitude to that team. I thought he made Chris Harris Jr. better. He mentioned that. Yeah. Chris Harris mentioned, like, you know, working in tandem with Kareem Jackson at safety, he could basically tell receivers, you know, if you get by me, you're facing that. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so I think I think they've got to leave him at safety, even though he is better at corner than who you have. You almost have to leave him at safety because he plays so well there and and kind of orchestrate your defense around him being back there and him being your safety. Um, you know, no pun intended, but, but literally your, your safety valve there, if you will. I, Vic was on uh, a local radio station before he talked to us uh, this afternoon. And he said they're going to kind of look at their options at – cornerback but one scenario I do wonder about because he was talking about you know really getting Duke Dawson up to speed this this he was acquired late in the trade from New England so he's had very little time didn't have a training camp or a preseason or anything to kind of get acclimated to this system and it's a complex system um, and he's kind of been thrown into the fire he's been used quite a bit as their nickel corner I do wonder you know maybe do they try to move him outside and then rely on one of the young guys mm-hmm. or even Will Parks as the nickel corner. It's a risk, but, you know, if they're if they're going to perpetually go after whoever is on that right side, is does the risk, you know, is it too great to overcome, I guess? Yeah, and I think, obviously, Tennessee is going to try and exploit that. Mm-hmm. The game that really scares me is the following one the against tr- Kansas yeah. City. It's short turnaround the last, Oh, right? my gosh. Yeah, that's like. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes and those guys lost their first game, but they've got to be thinking, okay, look, we're going to – some of the throws he had? Oh, yeah. God, he's a freak. He's unbelievable, and that was on a bum ankle too for, <laughs> for much of the game uh, Sunday night. Uh, the You know, the thing that – I have two takeaways from this Denver defense, no pun intended. One, they finally got a couple takeaways. Yeah. Three, right, Justin Simmons. I, I, was, I was really impressed – Alexander Johnson had the other interception too. But I thought this Denver defense, even though they didn't get a sack on Phillip Rivers, they made him look uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, led to those turnovers. Mm -hmm. I thought there was a direct correlation. No sacks, but definitely got some pressure on Phillip Rivers that maybe they hadn't gotten on other quarterbacks. And to me, it it just all came together on that defense. And that's why they ended up getting their three takeaways their first of the season. I was kind of surprised, or maybe not surprised. I mean, Vic has kind of been hard on um, Von Miller to kind of, I guess, push him because he believes he can play better than he is already. But I actually thought Von had quite a good game given the circumstances. I mean, no Bradley Chubb. He was doubled every single time, Mm -hmm. and he was held almost every (laughs) single time, and there were no calls. I mean, this is kind of the story of Von Miller's life where he's doubled, chipped, uh, you know, offensive linemen get away with holding and – he still has to find a way. And a lot of times he has. Um, but he was still able to get pressure, like you said, uh, on Phillip Rivers and, and kind of wreak havoc that way. Malik Reed stepping in, he also had a big game. Um, at first they started to, with a rotation between him and Justin Hollins. Hollins suffered a knee injury. He's kind of week to week at this point. So they're down to Reed and Jeremiah Tachi, who they signed, uh, who they signed last week before this game. So, um, their depth is really being tested now. But I, I, I think you're right. I think the guys on the edge, given the circumstances, really did a nice job. And I, I think Vaughn also did 
quite a good job against the run too, but he, he never really gets a ton of credit yeah. for that side of his game though he should. Um, you know, the other thing that stood out defensively for me too was the way they were able to bounce back after their offense made mistakes. Right. You think back to they the second Yeah, you think back to the second quarter and there's a fumble. Chargers take over at their own 31. They force the missed field goal of the block by Draymond Jones. Then in the third, which I thought was crucial, Flacco throws an interception. Chargers have a first and goal on the seven, right? Mm-hmm. We're all thinking they're going to go in and score a touchdown here and really change the momentum of the game. That's when Alexander Johnson has his interception. To me, those were crucial, right? You let him drive a little bit, but you block the field goal. No points. Those were really, really crucial stops that we haven't seen from this defense and from this football team. So many times when things go south, they start to spiral in a hurry and that kills this football team. I thought the defense yesterday was huge in making key stops and preventing the Chargers from getting any momentum. I mean, the only thing they had going for them was that they got the special teams um, punt return for a touchdown. But I thought offensively they were stifled and really confused. And I think you got to tip your hat to the Broncos defense for making big stops and keeping the Chargers from getting any type of momentum going. Two goal line takeaways. Huge. That that forced fumble by Kareem Jackson just – it's mind-blowing to me because look at how fast he closes in. On a really fast guy. Austin Eckler. Like, the dude has speed. And Kareem Jackson was – practically in the middle of the field, sprinted over. When Isaac Yadam kind of whiffed on the tackle, he was right there and hit Eckler so hard he knocked the ball out of bounds. Two goal line takeaways is huge. Um, and, and that one was especially big because you're going into halftime. The Chargers were right. getting the ball to start the second half. So you start to think back to the Green Bay game and the Jacksonville game where this team, this Broncos team, made mistakes going into halftime. Then the other team capitalized on them right before the break and then was able to use that momentum into the second half. That was huge that yeah. they got the stop there, kept L.A. from getting any kind of momentum, and then the Chargers come out in the second half and, and don't have anything still kind of going. Yeah. So I thought that was huge for the time and place in which that happened yep there were there were a number of good series in the second half by the defense I mean you know right in the series before Adam uh, Alexander Johnson got his interception in the end zone I mean that the Chargers were held to a three and out and they they started the drive at their own 44 yeah so that could have been troublesome there were there i don't know about you but there were just so many times where i was watching that game yesterday and i started to feel like okay this is where it's gonna yeah, happen i was like no no right no, like please, you have no, it's no, almost no, like ptsd no. right like yeah. oh here we go again yeah. oh we've seen this yeah. before you know and then you finally get to exhale once the the clock hits zero but there were so many times where this team made big stops kept the Chargers from getting momentum and i thought that was that was absolutely huge and something much different than we had seen all that being said, the one area of, of concern, and I'm not trying to you know, say that everything is, is hunky-dory, but special teams is, is a very concern. Still a glaring problem. I mean, they're not just bad. They're like, you know, ranked last in so many key areas. And Tom McMahon, you can see, is just beside himself <laughs> on the sideline when you watch these games. Like, he's hunched over. It's just... 
When the ball bounced yeah. off Fred Brown's helmet, oh like special teams microcosm for the last oh three goodness. years, yeah. like you got a chance to down it inside the two and it literally doinks right off your helmet and into the end zone. Yeah. That to me was just like, oh yeah, that's the way special teams yeah. is gone. And then of course they give up the punt return. I thought Vic Fangio was pretty revealing in his press conference yeah. on Monday when he said Deontay Spencer is not doing the things that he is coached to do in terms of catching the ball inside the 10-yard line. You know, it used to be you stick your heels on the 10-yard line and you fair catch it or it goes over your head and and bounces. Now that's kind of changed because punters have gotten really good at the coffin kick and and at downing that thing inside the five. But still, some of the times that he's catching the ball, I mean, there was one at the nine where he fair caught it, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm good with that, right? Nine yards. But then you're catching it at the four and trying to make something happen? one of the seven and one of the four. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I know. You know? And if you're going to just fair catch it, right? Like I'm okay even at the seven Mm -hmm. of fair catching it. At the four, let it bounce, especially I thought that ball had a bunch of momentum on it and you don't know which way it's spinning and and how good the Chargers punter is in terms of downing it. But but give it an opportunity, right? And if they do, if you lose two yards, then you tip your hat and say, okay, nice job. But I would rather risk that than him catching it at the four and, and getting tackled. The one thing I will say is he hadn't fumbled the ball. And and that is a win in Way and of chase. itself, right? He's gonna muff one, one this week, but yeah, I, I I have trouble with special teams because I just don't understand why the problems persist. They've brought in new returner after new returner after new returner. I coverage it, these guys. A lot of these guys have been together for years now. What is the issue? Are they not understanding the coaching? Are they ignoring the coaching? What is going on? Because the problem never seems to be fixed. And it's a, it's like dumb mistakes, yeah. right? Like Spencer's, I mean, Spencer's like, playing like a guy who is still trying to make the roster. Right. Right? Like right. that's the stuff you yeah. do in training camp. Right. You're already on the roster, bro. Yeah. You already made it. You can stop doing that now. Yeah. yeah. You know? They they have to clean that up. It's It's, it's going to come back and bite them. Or Tom McMahon's going to get fired. I mean, <laughs> I, somebody's going to be the scapegoat in this. Um, yeah. Special teams are special. Especially bad right yeah. now. And, and and they're lucky that it hasn't cost them. They're lucky that Deontay Spencer has been able to hold on to the football. Maybe not lucky. Yeah. I mean, they, they practice that stuff. But but it's it's bound to happen. When you're doing stuff like that, you're bound to make mistakes and when it starts to compound, then they're going to be yeah. in, in a world of hurt. I want to kind of go back to the offense because I have the mind of a pinball machine and kind of bounced around. Um, but I'm curious, what do you, what did you think of Joe Flacco's play? Because I know he's he gets criticized no matter what he does every game. Everything is always his fault. And sometimes it is. It rightfully is. Um, I would argue that not all the time, though. Um what did, what did you think about his play just general? I kind of thought it was similar to what we've seen all year, right? Like, not great. He didn't blow me away, but I thought he was good. And, mm-hmm. and he was obviously good enough for them to get a win. I thought it was interesting, only five receptions by a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, four of those were to Cortland Sutton. I have mm-hmm. to imagine Emmanuel Sanders was not very happy with just one catch on Sunday afternoon. So, and Vic Fangio was asked about that on Monday and he said, look, you got to factor in some of the penalties there. Well, it's right? only one other targeted twice yeah. on the same series. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought on the sack, 
where Joe Flacco fumbles the ball and the Chargers recover. They had a guy wide open, you know, where if Flacco can deliver that ball, it's probably going to be a touchdown. And now you're looking at a two-touchdown day and, and everything looks a little bit better from that perspective. Um, but I thought Joe Flacco has been good. And I, I am not on the Joe Flacco needs to be benched. I'm not on the play Drew Locke right away uh, bandwagon. I, I think he's been... He's been good. He hasn't been great, but he's been good. He's been serviceable, and he's given this team an opportunity to win the game, and then they finally did it on Sunday. Yeah. I think one thing that's kind of been overlooked about this game um, were the penalties. They had 12 penalties for a loss of 122 yards. In terms of yards, that's the most they've had in the last two years. There was that Baltimore game where they had 13 for 120 yards. Um but it's not great. You can you can argue that some are questionable, but nonetheless, it costs them. Um, and I I know a lot of people, us included, um, were riding uh, Garrett Bowles pretty hard for his I, holding penalty. Uh, but, don't uh, lump me into that. I was uh, going to leave Garrett uh, Bowles out of this, no, no. and then you brought yeah. it in. He is <laughs> he has been clean for three consecutive weeks. The irony, of course, is Emmanuel Sanders who claimed he gave Garibald's a pep talk after his four holding calls day, has in turn had two himself yeah. like Garibald's has had none. Um, and Bulls did give up the sack. He did give up right. the sack. Right. Yes, that was pretty critical. <laughs> um, but there were, there were a couple of penalties that were, that were pretty critical. They could have been much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ron Leary's holding call, when was that? That was in the... That negated a first down in the third quarter, yeah. which ultimately led to the, the punt return for a touchdown. Dalton Reisner, he had two of them, but his second one, which is the ineligible downfield pass in the fourth, um, you know, that that could have been much worse. It, it stalled the Broncos' drive, and they had to settle for a field goal, which Brandon McManus missed. That was the 54-yarder, so... They still have to clean up. And then you had a couple areas. holding penalties on yeah. Isaac Adam, too. You know, I mean, the yeah, defense that was got flagged it, a bunch. Yeah, that's why he ultimately got yeah. benched on the same series. He gave up a 15-yard completion and then had um, successive penalties. So it was – and, gotta clean it up. and that to me, when you're looking at this, like, yeah, you want to look glass half full. You're happy that the Broncos got a win. You feel good because it finally paid off. That to me is you can look at it one of two ways. Okay, there's still a lot of room to improve or we didn't play our best game and, and we still won. So I think you can look at it really both ways from that perspective. But I still think there's a lot about this football team that they need to clean up moving forward because – I think the Chargers had an off day, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I think the Chargers had a bad day at work. That's going to happen. The Broncos were good enough, at least on Sunday afternoon, to take advantage of that. So you tip your hat there. But there's still a lot of te- a lot of things that this team needs to clean up moving forward. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They need to get their passing game together more. Yeah. <laughs> get Emmanuel and Cortland Sutton well, and Baltimore. And run the football, yeah. right? Like, can we – I mean, 190 – yes – Feed him. He had 10 touches against Jacksonville, 19 against the Chargers. You saw the difference there. And I know you had some three and outs to start the second half and you weren't on the field a whole bunch when you look back at that Jaguars game. But he's got to get 15 touches a game, period, end of story. And he was responsible for six of their eight longest plays. That is not a mistake, right? right? That is not a fluke. This guy is that good. Give him the football. Yeah, totally agree. And credit to the offensive line, too. Right, like we we harp on those guys, and yes, yeah. they had some penalties. I think they have improved week by week. They have improved, which I, I I think they played really well in the first half, and then they start to 
started to let it go in the second half, um, especially on the edges. Um, there were the penalties, but there was a lot of pressure on Joe Flacco. I think he was under the most pressure he's been in, in quite some time. Um, but they do look much improved. And I think this is where you're seeing the influence of Mike Munchak. Um, but you also wonder, all right, well, Juwan James is working toward getting back. You know, obviously you're paying him to be a starter. There's no question that he will start. How, if at all, will it affect the chemistry? Mm -hmm. Will it be a problem? Um, or will it be even stronger? I mean, that's something that they're going to have to kind of figure out along the way. Um, still got a lot of questions on this team. And I think primarily, for me anyway, the biggest ones start with their lack of depth. Yeah. And, and what now? What do you do now? What do you do with the players you have and the card you've been dealt now? Because it's not going to change all that much. The trade deadline's approaching. You could unload a couple of guys maybe, but you're certainly not going to be major buyers at the day deadline. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of what you have and, in the season. And can you count on, and I, I don't know that you can, can you count on Alexander Johnson to play the way that he played? Right. Was this a fluke? You know? yeah. Right. Can right. you count on your defense to get three turnovers every game? Right. That's a lot to ask right. of these guys. So can you count on these guys who had big impacts and were part of the reason why you won on Sunday to continue that performance moving forward? Can Mike Purcell give you what he gave you right. uh, on a week-to-week -week basis. I don't know. I don't know if the Broncos know that answer. I, I think the only way to figure it out is to get to Sunday and, and play and play that next game. So I think that's going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch as, as we move forward. Do you remember who you chose as your spotlight guy? I did. Chris Harris Jr. Oh, he did pretty well for yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, two tackles for Chris Harris. Held uh, Phillip Rivers to 211 passing yards. Obviously two interceptions. Uh, not by him, but yeah. but by that secondary. Had a decent job against Keenan Allen. Yeah, only eighteen yards there. Yeah, yeah. so I'll uh, I felt pretty good about yeah. my about my spotlight. I chose the run defense. Win win. Did you choose the run defense? I, I thought you chose the offensive line. Nope. You chose defense. the whole front seven. Yeah. The whole the whole defensive. Just seven. all of them. All yeah. of them. I win. That's a win too. Now we both win. Wow. Uh, you want to get into the over unders? Speaking of winning, I know how do you, much do you have I know how much down? you love. I do, oh boy. I do. Break it to me, John. I'm embarrassed, actually. Oh you cleaned my clock this week. Really? Yes. Yeah. <gasps> fun, um, fun, so fun. our our first over under was Philip Lindsay total yards. Uh, we set it at ninety point five. He was averaging eighty and a half coming into the game. Had one hundred and forty seven. Uh, you picked the over there. I picked the under. So uh, win one for you. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Malik Reed sacks. They had zero as a team. We set the uh, sack for Malik Reed at a half a sack. Uh, I picked the over. You took the under. So yet again, another win for you. Uh, Joe Flacco touchdowns. We had it at one and a half. He had one. You took the under. I took the over. So yet again, a win Woo! for you. Nearly a clean sweep. Uh, Phillip Rivers complaining to the refs. We had it at four and a half. He didn't, he didn't get hit. A lot, right? So, so he. I saw him complaining some. Wait, what did you? Did take? you? I took the. You took the. Over I don't know if it was five half. times, but. I gotta be honest. I I didn't necessarily I didn't, count yeah. each one, but yeah. I'm gonna give myself the win there. Oh. Because I took the under. Yeah, I just that, I yeah. didn't want to get wow. blanked. Okay. Mm. Um, and then Garrett Bowles holding calls. You took the under. You're on the. I have faith you're in on Garrett, Garrett Bowles train. Three games. And it paid off. Uh, I Maybe took... we should add Emmanuel Sanders to the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> over under on Emmanuel oh, Sanders. Over, which will he have yeah. more of? Targets and receptions or holding penalties? Uh, you took the uh, you took the under on Bulls. I took the over. Mm -hmm. So you were 4-1 and one 
on the over unders, and I was uh, I was one in four. This is why they pay me the big bucks. All of the Broncos. That is the lie. Uh, you want to give a mile high salute? I mean, we kind of did it with our spotlights, but uh, you want to give a mile high salute? We were supposed to do this after every game, and then there haven't really we been a lot of people to salute. Um, so I'm giving my salute to Phil. I'm going to take the easy way out mm. there. Uh, I thought he was really good, and I think Rich Gangarello needs to continue to give him the ball. You know, it's funny, through the first couple games, it was it was even, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the snap counts were even between Phil and Royce Freeman. And in an ideal world, when you're getting good production from both of those guys, mm-hmm. that's great. I don't think that can be the case moving forward. No. I think Phil deserves – Phil has proven that he is worthy and deserves more snaps and more touches than Royce Freeman does right now. There were a couple instances where I questioned why Phil Blinsey was not in and Royce Freeman was. Like that third and 14 at Denver's five when they were really backed up. Yeah. Like Phil Blinsey is the one that can shed tackles. I mean, he's got that elusiveness. Put him in. I mean, Freeman is more powerful, but his his lateral quickness is just – pales in comparison and you can see it when he kind of hesitates and tries to cut whereas with phil it's it's seamless like he's the one that can pick up yards in those situations so i was kind of confused as to why they chose freeman over Lindsay in those situations and maybe it'll change going forward i think it should yeah i think if this team wants to continue winning games they've got to get philip Lindsay yeah. at least 15 yeah. touches in the run game in the pass game yep i'm going with kareem jackson yeah i mean hell of a game i mean just the energy he brought, um, he was just the difference maker. You know, he was one of many, but the most significant dif- difference maker. Um, and I think it affected them in all three phases. I mean, that's kind of what they've been lacking for a couple of years now. I mean, I always remember Akib saying that Broncos got rid of all the dogs yeah. on the team. I mean, he has a similar fire. He's He's not quite the level of <laughs> Akeem Talib or TJ Ward, um, but the way he played was similar. I mean, the way he tackled was very much like TJ. Just, you know, not total reckless abandon, but he's fearless in the way he just goes after guys and it pays off. And that's contagious. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I, I thought that was really contagious too and, and kind of permeated down through the rest of that defense. I thought he gave him a huge, huge spark mm-hmm. on Sunday. And now now you start to question, can they do that going forward? Um, and Tennessee doesn't look as, as formidable as they did last week. Well, you know, I mean, I think there's some, there's some, there's an opportunity there. I'll, I'll say that. And I said it last week, I could see this team going to LA and beating the Chargers and coming home and losing to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope they prove me wrong. Um, but, but I want to see this carry over. Uh, because I think it's going to be a big, big letdown if indeed they do go out Sunday at home and end up losing to Tennessee. And obviously we'll get into that um, next uh, later yeah. this week on Thursday. And then the following week, there could be a lot to talk about. As yeah. it's the first week they can bring – they can't bring back guys from IR, but it's the first week they can practice with the team. And Drew Locke was throwing before the game. Um on Sunday, so he's clearly making progress. Um, and next week, I think we would expect them and possibly another player or two to practice mm-hmm. to see if they if they want to take him off, off IR or leave him down for the remainder of the season. I think a lot could depend on their roster needs across the board. But so yeah, much to talk about later in the week. Until then, 
be sure to check out some of our other podcasts. Uh, one I really like is Run the Film with Ted Wynn and Kurt Morrison, who break down NFL games every week and kind of preview the following week matchups and players to watch. Uh, Ted does an excellent job if you've read his stuff on theathletic.com. Um, in analyzing film from every game, he's he's really good at being able to break down the game film in a way that is easy to understand and you come away learning quite a bit. So check out their podcast from the film. Uh, and until then, we'll be back. Yeah, make sure you rate and subscribe to, to the yes. podcast. We appreciate you guys uh, listening via iTunes or however you're getting this podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you Thursday and get you set for that game against Tennessee next Sunday uh, as the Broncos uh, try and prove to 2-4. and four. Goodness. Woohoo! Whew.